welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I am joined by Layla Hussein OBE psychotherapist and activist hello welcome to the divorce club oh my god I've been so excited about this conversation so I'm glad to be here <laughs> well welcome <laughs> well, what made you so excited about it normally people don't say that well it's interesting as soon as you asked me to do it I quickly said I want to do it because it's a it's like a there's like a shame connected to divorce which it shouldn't be. I mean, the way I got divorced long, long time ago, I separated 18 years ago, and then the divorce didn't happen to quite years later. But it was, I will always say I'm happily divorced, and people will be shocked by it. Because people say I'm happily married, right? Yeah. Why can't I be happy? Because I am, I am happier after I got divorced. Actually, we were nicer people when we got divorced. So I don't, there's always a stigma. And I also, a couple of years ago, organized a divorce party for our friend. Because, you know, we always have wedding parties, but no one celebrates the fact that you left a very shitty relationship, like, which that should be the case, in my opinion. So that's what I'm really excited about. We're having this conversation, but there's no space. It's like people think you're crazy when you say I'm happily divorced. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's what this is all about is kind of mm. changing the conversation around divorce and kind of delving into that taboo yeah. subject. And so did you say you got divorced 18 years ago? So I separated from my ex-husband when my daughter was three months. That was 2000. God, I blocked this out. <laughs> my divorce papers didn't come through to 2006. So I'm officially divorced for 14 years, but I was separated for a couple of years. So you separated 17 years ago and then it took you three years to get the divorce papers through. And why was that? Was that just kind of the admin of it all or? No, no, he didn't want a divorce. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was being a pain in the ass about it. Yeah, yeah. He was avoiding the whole thing. I think he still wanted to work it out, but 
it was too damaged by that. I mean, I didn't want, I, I just didn't want to be in the relationship. And I had the little girl at the time. And my daughter was three months. Well, when I wanted the first the divorce, it was because I didn't want to bring her into a toxic environment. So that was a no-no. And for him, it was like, I mean, he's from Somali where I'm from. So pride was a big part of why he didn't want to get divorced. Like, you know, his family never got divorced. So for him, it was like a big deal. And, and he dragged it on. And I think the reason he dragged it on as well, it was because I didn't give a shit. I just got on with my life. I'm like, it's a piece of paperwork. I'm going to do whatever I want. I didn't let it control me, which is really interesting because a lot of things control my life. It was just like I needed to get out, really. But he dragged it on. I think my mum was the, the saviour in that situation. One day she just really had an honest chat with him and said, listen, <laughs> it was like a, a scene from the mafia or something. She was like, you must give her a divorce right now so she can get married again because my mom wants me to get married again. That was her, that was her reasoning. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. So there's so much there. So, um, so you made the decision to get divorced. And do you think having your little girl was a catalyst for that decision or was it something else? Um, there was two. I mean, my dad never liked him. I mean, I was at, te- I mean, when I was a teenager, like teenage love, ugh. he lived in the US, I lived in the UK. I packed up and left. I mean, it was like that kind of situation. And actually, what, what the, the bit that's missing, actually, we were introduced by family, actually. His family really wanted me to be with him. And my parents didn't want to be rude. They were like, you know what, just act like you like him. And then we just say she's not interested. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Lots of pressure. And then I genuinely liked him. I really fell for him. But it was a very toxic relationship, like emotionally. And my dad was the one who saved me. I got sick few times during my early part of my pregnancy and there was no one to look after me so my dad was like you know what put her on a plane so we can look after her while she's carrying his baby and so were you in the U.S. at this point? Uh, yeah I was at the U.S. at this point and guess when I moved to the U.S. this week is interesting September 10th 2001 this is literally the day before September 11th. Wow. So in a way also I've never compared my relationship September 11th but it's like it exploded from that moment it was like it just got even worse what was going on in the outside world you sort of saw as a metaphor for what was going on in your literally it was like this is exactly what I'm I'm experiencing and literally was my dad that got me out and actually I didn't realize I was in an abusive relationship emotionally abusive relationship until you leave you don't notice it yeah so my father was like oh you know when you're ready to go back let me know I had open ticket, one year open ticket. And then the more I stayed, the more I was scared to go back. I kept getting panic attacks. And my dad was like, listen, you obviously don't want to go back. You don't want to go back. So I, he waited for me to make that decision and I didn't want to go back. And obviously I had my daughter here and I, we tried to work it out. It just wasn't going to work. I, I knew I wasn't going to be in that relationship. And yeah, so my family was a big, especially my father, especially it's very rare such a patriarchal system, you know, Somali communities are very patriarchal communities where the father supports his daughter is very rare. That rarely happens. So I was very lucky in that way. Well, I was going to say, because it sounds like your family really helped you and supported you, but you mentioned that your ex-husband's family and his upbringing meant that he didn't want to leave the relationship. 
what is the kind of, for people who don't know a lot about Somali community and the patriarchal system there, could you give me a bit of background on, you know, what, yeah. what's supposed to, in inverted commas, happen when you get married? Yeah, no, I mean, in a Somali community, when you get married, you have to be the you know, dutiful wife, you know, you, you're there to bear children, any shit your partner does, you know, you're the wife, you're supposed to forgive and learn from it. And there were a lot of forgiving, but it just got to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. So Somali community is a very patriarchal, very religious community where men are the leader of the household, the women bear the children, look after the house. Literally, you, you're, it's basically it's on you to do all of that. But also you're, you're also someone who's taking the brunt of the whole honor of the family. So you're the one who's, the honor of the family is on you as the woman. So me getting divorced, in theory, my parents should have felt a lot of shame. That's how it should work. But for him, it was more of a, you know, my family doesn't get divorced. So there was a lot of pride, but there was also a lot of control. The idea of someone leaving him wasn't great. So that was a unique situation with me in that kind of situation with his family. However, though, his family, I mean, his mom, she hated the fact that we got divorced. She genuinely just liked me as a person. I mean, to the day she died, she kept reminding him of what he did. <laughs> She's like, you lost a good woman. You know, she would always remind him uh, about it. But luckily, I also had their support, which is very unique. Like that rarely happens. It's usually when the divorce happens, families really have a big falling out. But his family actually stepped in and because now there's a baby, uncles, aunties, really played a big part in her life till now and she's going to turn 18 soon so I was lucky in that way but obviously in the society the moment you're divorced in the small community if you get divorced you lose all your married friends married people don't want to hang with you anymore oh wow I mean I feel a bit like that in um, my where I live as well is that all of a sudden you're divorced and it's like oh you're not you're not a couple so you can't join our crowd obviously not as extremely as in the Somali community but did you actually lose a lot of friends from that yeah I mean it was like they didn't say hey we don't want to be friends with you I was just cut away from social gatherings and I didn't understand it until my mom really actually explained to me like there's a tradition of like a divorced woman is more likely to entice your husband. So the women are worried about me now. And these are my friends. Like some of them were my childhood friends. But all of a sudden you're cut away because their worry is you might take their husband away because now I must be that desperate to get another man. Because usually it's like the moment you get divorced, your next step is to get married. That's so interesting because I've spoken to some other divorced women who um, from different backgrounds that say a similar thing that all of a Mm. sudden they feel like their friends think they're going to steal their husbands, even though they've been hanging out with these people for 10 years. Super common. Like I can't tell you how common that is. I had a, a friend was telling me the other day, actually, she was actually engaged to the guy and a lot of their friends were married, but obviously they never went ahead and got married they broke up while they were still engaged and uh, they, she was cut off by everybody, but they still treated it as, you know, she was in a potential relationship. So that was quite interesting. But I remember I got dumped about all my friends. They literally like slowly I was cut out from, you know, the dinners we get together, which is really weird. And how did that make you feel? Cause obviously at the time you just lost your husband of your own choice, but it's still a difficult thing to do. And then you're losing your friends. Oh, I was heartbroken. It was heartbreaking. I don't think I've ever recovered. I don't think I've ever recovered from that. Um, I don't think you will. It actually, I think that can scar people. 
and especially for me, I guess, th- those are my early relationships. And I mean, I still see some of them around, but it's never the same. The relationships have never been the same. And also till now I get, when friends get divorced, I'm always making sure to reassure them they're not going to lose me. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm here. And I'll try to make sure the rest of the people don't dump that person now just because they're divorced, which unfortunately tends to happen. So it's heartbreaking. It really is. It's, it, this is why I really wanted to have this conversation because it's something that no one talks about. There's a shame around divorce, especially on women. Men get divorced and it's like the whole world is looking for his next mate. You know, he's ready to move on. Rarely men get really get dumped by their married male friends. Rarely happens. But the women do. Yeah. It's so interesting because I found that when I started telling people that I'd got divorced, people would say to me, you know, do the pity face and be like, oh, you know, mm. well, you'll meet someone else. And actually, you know, don't when, worry. that's what, what, not what I was thinking about straight away. Mm. I was thinking, you know, I've got out of this, you know, difficult time and me and my ex still get on really well, but, you know, we mm. weren't happy and now we're both happier. Mm. And, and actually people their automatic kind of go-to is that you must feel awful exactly. and be crying alone. alone. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I felt great. Yeah, you're right. Because I remember thinking, oh God, I was just like relieved. I didn't want to be in a relationship I got divorced. I was like, I am glad I'm out of this situation. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be in one again. Like, I, and I never remarried. My family wanted me to get married. And I didn't avoid marriage at all. I went with the idea of if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, I'm not going to let, let it control my life. And I come from a patriarchal, again, my, my family, every wedding I go to, it's like anxiety attack. Because the moment you walk into the wedding, they'll be like, when is your wedding? When is your wedding happening? You know, your ovaries are shutting down. Like, you know, it's like my, my reproductive health, it's part of the conversation. Well, and you already have a child. I don't have any children. So people are like, oh, you're running out of time. Got to meet someone else. Well, I have a daughter. I don't have a son. Oh, I see. Like literally they took their head every time I say I have a girl. They're like, oh, you're divorced. You haven't been married. You only have one child. Because Somalis, we have like 10 kids. I have one child. And when I said I have a daughter, it's like, oh, you don't have a son. It's always the response I get. My sister has two sons. My sister will always be seen in a hierarchy of women because she has sons. How crazy is that, considering you yeah. have no control over the gender of your child? No, it's, it's so fucked up. So now I have to, like, me and my daughter, when we go to family weddings, we have to mentally prepare ourselves because they're having this conversation in front of her as if, like, it's not a big deal. So we now laugh about it. It's the only thing to do. Well, I, I was going to say. Or just not go to certain weddings anymore. <laughs> how, how do you prepare yourself if you get that wedding invite? Does your heart just sink straight away or is it? A- oh, no, it does. It's more like, oh, God. Like, it's, it's never like, oh, my great. Oh, my oh, so great. We're gonna go to-. It's like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to explain that I'm not a lesbian, that I'm, you know, just choosing not to be with a guy right now or I like being alone. That's what I found out. But I have to literally prepare myself. I have to emotionally, psychologically prepare myself to respond to those crazy comments. But sometimes I always respond with humor as well. Like, I think that's always helpful. Well, otherwise you're called an aggressive divorcee, aren't you? Oh no, you're the angry one. She's angry because she's divorced. Oh, that's my favorite one. Oh my God, that's my favorite one. Like, oh, she's only mad at you because she's divorced and she wants you to be alone. Especially advising married women in toxic relationships. It's a no-no. 
because apparently you will only be seen as somebody who's only given advice because you just want her to be sad as you or something. You want everyone to get divorced because <laughs> you've got divorced. Exactly. <laughs> like you get commission on divorce or something. Yeah. Get a little bonus every time your friend gets divorced. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? It would be a better world. <laughs> I know, if only. So the divorce procedure for you took three years. How practically did that happen? Obviously, you had to get your ex to agree to the divorce. And then did you kick things off? Did you get a solicitor? Did you do it yourself? No, we both had one solicitor. He just didn't sign. We had everything ready, like within months. He just wasn't signing it. Just avoiding, like literally avoiding it. So my mom took it and said, sign it, sign it now. I love the sound of <laughs> your mom. Made, oh my God, my mom made him sign it. Oh wait, when I say she made him sign it, she knew he was going to be in Kenya and she was going to be in Kenya. She found him. Oh no, it was like crazy. And my daughter was there. So he, and, and actually that was the first time he met his own daughter. Like she was five years old. Oh, wow. So I think sometimes uh, for some people that it, it's getting that letter through the door saying, this person wants to divorce you, sign here to agree. That is the moment that they realize. Exactly. Exactly. It was, yeah. It was so weird. That was the bit I rarely give a shit about. Actually, my mom, my mom only chased him up because she doesn't like the idea of me being, not being able to marry someone else. But when that happened, I still didn't get married. So she's a little bit disappointed. <laughs> So how did that make you feel though? Because obviously you're like indebted to your mum for getting him to sign, but she only did mm. it so you could get married again. So do know, you feel, feel fresher? Every wedding we go to, she reminds me. Every time there's a new baby in the family, she's like, Layla. And now she said to me, even adopt, I don't care. Just have more kids. I'm like, I really don't want to look after another child. I don't want to. I've survived one. I'm like, the whole raising kids is overrated. It's fun for certain people, but actually it wasn't. I mean, I was a single mom and I was quite young when I, I was 21 when I had her. And it wasn't fun. It was not a fun experience. I loved raising her. Don't get me wrong. And I absolutely adore her. But it's not something I would recommend people to do. Because you were in the US with your husband and were you in the UK then raising your daughter? Yeah, she was born here. So obviously you've got this pressure from your mom and at the, the weddings and stuff. And why mm. do you think that is? Do you think it's a tradition thing or she just wants you to be happy and she sees that as a sign of happiness? Yeah. Well, my mother was happily married. Her and my dad, they were not just you know, married, there were lovers, great friends. And I saw that. I saw my parents' marriage. It was a beautiful, I think she wants that for me. She's like, oh, you need someone, you know, don't Layla. She goes, "Uh, you know, this feminist life. That's how she says, the feminist life. (laughs) You know, it's okay to have a husband and, you know, to be looked after by someone else. I'm like, that's fine. Hey, if someone wants to look after me, great. But, you know, if if they come, they'll come. If they don't come, I'm going to continue living my life. That's funny, this feminist life, because my... This feminist, she calls it feminist. (laughs) My mum is a a strong feminist and that's where I got it from. So what do you think Mm. your mum imagines Mm. this feminist life is? Well, my mum, she she might not call us a feminist, but she's someone who holds feminist values. She just never used that term, I guess. She left home at the age of 16, joined this army, you know, end up becoming, worked for the smaller government. She became an economist. She was making more money than my father when they met. Like it was, she had me at 26 in a small community. That's very old, very old. People remind me, your mother gave birth to you when you were old. Like how old? 26. Okay. Because <laughs> her sisters had their kids at 15, 16. She's progressive in that way. But I think 
she's never seen, I don't think in her lifetime she's seen a woman with a child live it by herself. So that was quite new for my mother. Uh, traditionally, Somalis, if a woman gets divorced, she's only divorced for like three months. And the reason they do that, by the way, they keep the three months is to make sure she's not pregnant with the ex-husband's kid. Wow. Just in case. So you'll see the bump growing before the next wedding. Right. So it's like you need to wait for three months to ensure she's definitely not pregnant. So you were meant to get married straight away again. Yeah, yeah. End of 2016, early 2007, I should have been married. but (laughs) So I was back at university training to be a psychotherapist, so I didn't have time. And it wasn't like I didn't want to be in a relationship. It just never happened. Oh, well, there were times when I did not want to be in a relationship, definitely. But yeah. And do you think... My mom's still heartbroken. (laughs) Do you think having a child comes into that as well with the new relationships? Absolutely. Oh, goodness, yeah. Because whoever dates you will have to be part of your child's life. Mm. And you want to make sure whoever this person is. And I personally, I have kept our home safe for her. I mean, since my divorce, I've been in like three, four serious relationships. And she's only met one briefly. And it was like in a group of friends. Actually, my daughter's never met where I said, hey, Faye, this is my boyfriend. Like she's never heard me say that ever. And she's encouraging me to go out and date. <laughs> I'm too busy fighting patriarchy. I can't. And especially when you have that label on you, it's very hard to date, by the way, just saying. The divorce label. Divorce feminist is like, the craziest, you know, fighting patriarchy all the time. Like you go on dates and you, and you want to know people's views. That's what you do at my age when you're dating people. And the moment they find out you're they're like, oh, really? Why? Oh, bye. I'm like, I'm like, bye. I'm not even entertaining this conversation. Like, I don't have time. I really don't. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So in your new relationships, you said you'd had like three serious ones since your marriage. Do you feel that you bring any sort of lessons that you learned from your marriage or is it just a completely new thing? I guess uh, my marriage, I hardly had a voice. I didn't have a voice in my marriage. So I guess for me in a relationship, it's important that I have a voice and I'm also heard. And actually every relationship that I've been in, the one after that, I would bring lessons learned from the other one you grow. I mean, there are things when I look back now, like relationship like from 10 years ago, and it's like, oh my God, that wasn't something I really should have freaked out about. I could have had this conversation that way, but I guess with experience and age comes wisdom. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be wiser. I turned 40 this year, which is interesting. Congrats. I know. I'm going to have the, I'm going to have the quarantine to survive Corona virus party. <laughs> I think we're all going to have that party. So you've, You've had some serious relationships since your marriage and you brought lessons that you learned from each of them into the next one. But is there one or a couple of things that you learned from your marriage that you think could apply to other people as well that you'd wish you knew before you got married? Oh, yeah. Having a voice is very important. Being financially independent was very important for me. Like that because I wasn't financially independent. I had a little job, but nothing like where I can look after myself. So financial independence. Also, have your own identity in a relationship. Because I think sometimes what happens, two people come together who have similar, different identities and then they merge into one person. I mean, when I say that, I mean like, so we'll go on holiday together, but I would like to go on holiday with my friends because I have a separate identity to you and I have different interests to you. Or So I think it's important you have some independence as a as a person in a relationship. I think those three things are quite important in a relationship, which I wish they taught me that in school. Yeah, (laughs) we should get relationship lessons in school and communication. Oh God, you know, we would have avoided a lot of things. But I guess for me, those things are quite key. Having your own voice, having a separate identity. Because, you know, sometimes you could be put in a couple all the time, but actually not being seen as an I, as an individual. And I think you have to put in the work to be an individual. And I've seen a couple of my friends do that one of my really close friends she's not always with her partner she hangs out with her friends she goes on holiday with her friends she has different activities outside of her marriage and it's something that I admire people who do that because I know it's not easy because usually you automatically just become a couple and you have to do everything together I know now at this age I couldn't live with somebody 24 hours I couldn't I would I might get married and live in separate homes our marriage might survive. I like that idea. That's like um, <laughs> Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter. They have separate yeah. homes. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. I mean, when I told that idea to my mother, she was like, Layla, that's not a marriage. And I said, yes, it is. Surviving it. <laughs> I totally get the kind of being an individual thing. And I think it's especially with like young mm. love and you meet that person that you fall head over heels for. And then you marry them and it's so Mm. easy to just get so wrapped up in all of that. And I feel like I did that as well. And that you, you lose yourself in Mm. the relationship and then it's so hard to kind of pry 
yourself away afterwards because you're so entangled with that relationship and that person. Absolutely. It's so important. I, I said that to any of my friends who are getting married. I'm like, do not lose your identity. And you're going to grow to a different person anyway in that marriage. So I could just always remember to and be financially independent. I cannot stress that <laughs> enough. <laughs> and having your daughter as well. And obviously you divorced her father and you said he didn't see her. He met her mm. for the first time when she was about five. How was managing that? Because, you know, I am divorcing my ex-husband and then I don't have to see him again if I don't want to. Whereas you'll forever be connected with mm. him. How do you manage that? Uh, well, in a way he made it easier. I think he didn't have any relationship with her for many years. So I didn't have to force, but I was willing to co-parent. I think he was just so angry at me about the divorce that he lost that time with his daughter. But recently, I think from the age of 15, they reconnected and it's been really good. We went on holiday for the first time. Her, well, he invited us both to spend Christmas in America. So this is 2018 going into 2019. Yeah. So in a way, I, didn't, I wasn't in a position where I have to see this person every weekend but also know what it did to her not having him around so that was heartbreaking to see and I would say this to any parents in in my situation never ever use the parent to attack the other parent that's one thing I was very clear on I was never going to use her to attack him because for me it was important loving her first is what I chose I love her first like that was it I had to do what was best for her hence why she kept a very good relationship with her grandma from her dad's side, her uncles, you know, really. And, I, and I, I definitely facilitated that and I encouraged it. I made sure it happened because it's important that she knows and connected to that side of her family. I never wanted my child to feel like she was rejected. I mean, you will to a certain extent because your father's not part of your life, but they're working through it now. It's been good. I have to say the last three years, it's been regular communication between both of them. And with me too, actually. And how was that going on, on holiday, going to stay with him, presumably for the first time since you were together, you'd been on holiday together? Well, my daughter made sure he booked me in a hotel and there was no way in hell I was going to stay. <laughs> I hope it was a nice five-star one. <laughs> oh no, she made sure. And uh, it was scary. Actually, I remember telling uh, a friend, because I, I, I dropped her off. I didn't want to stay there for the whole two weeks. I, I had other friends in the US where I was like, you know, I'm going to drop you off with your dad, you know, just hang out. Because she doesn't know him. She didn't know him that well to hang out with him. So I wanted to make sure it was all okay. But I remember saying to a friend, the moment I arrived, I felt like uh, that lost 18 year old that married him. All of a sudden I was struggling to speak when he picked us up. I literally could not breathe. I became that scared 18 year old again, which was really interesting. Wow. And is that the first time you'd seen him since? No, I've seen him before, but not where he lived, Minneapolis. I, I met him again in New York. My daughter was going to hang out with her uncle, his brother, who lives in New York. This is like 2009. So he came over, which is fine because that's not his area. That's not his space. But this is Minneapolis where he's from. Yeah, it was really, really weird. So it was a reminder that I actually needed to go back to therapy and work through some of that stuff. And that's what it led to, that I, had to still, I still had some work that I needed to do myself. Yeah, so that's, that was that experience. What do you think it was about being in his space that was so scary for you? Is it a lack of control or? Yeah, yeah, someone taking over control. And actually just being scared again. I didn't really, I physically felt it, but because it, I, I used to be scared of him. So it was that fear again. But I did the thing where you just pretend it's not happening, you know, 
And I had to tell myself, you know, no one's going to control you. You'll be fine. This is on your terms. Blah, blah, blah. I had to literally tell myself this. It was really interesting. And I had friends who I would call in the middle of the night crying sometimes because I, I did really get scared. And do you, you know, you talk about crying in the middle of the night. I think we've, we've all been there when you're alone in your room mm. in the dark and the thoughts come to you. Do you remember your hardest moment or a hardest moment during the kind of whole divorce relationship? Oh, oh my God. There's one. I, you know, I never publicly shared it, but I'll share it with you actually. Only if you feel comfortable. No, no, I think it's important. So I'm a single parent. I'm trying to get the divorce. It's not happening. Um, 22. My daughter's like eight months. We live in a council flat, which is like, you know, those little studios where you have the sink in the room, in your bedroom, like the sink. I mean, it's that tiny. Like I, I'm trying to describe a very tiny little kitchenette. Like it was so tiny. And it had one of those electric keys where you top up your keys, which I never used before. I never knew. In my, my parents' house, they never used that. I forgot to top it up. And it's two o'clock in the morning. My daughter's crying. She wants milk. The house is freezing cold. I put her in a pram two o'clock in the morning and took the pram to a shop that was like 15 minutes walk. I'll never forget that fear, like dragging a pram. And I knew, it was one of those moments when I thought, oof, it can't get any worse than this. It was a cold night. And... It was just, I, I still remember that moment. I, I remember feeling like I wanted to die that moment. It was just like, oh, I felt so alone. But it was one of those moments whenever I'm having a shitty time, I always go back to that moment. I'm like, you know what, Lily, you survived that day, that night. At two o'clock in the morning, young mom with a baby. I lived in Walthamstow, right, literally behind me is a forest. So I'm walking just the edge of this forest, trying to get to the high street, which is like a 15, 20 minutes walk. And there was only one shop that was open that could charge this because, you know, and I think it was the first time I also realized I was a grown up <laughs> finally. Yeah. So that was. Wow. But you survived. And I survived it. Yeah. If you now could go back to that time to you then and say one mm. thing, what would you have said to Layla then? I would have said to her, there were times when I needed help and I didn't know how to ask. I would have said to her, just ask for help. It's fine. There were people willing to help me. I just didn't notice it at the time. I would just said to just ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. You know, I came to this country as a refugee at the age of 12. So it was that constant surviving. So I just wish I would tell her, ask for help. It's fine. Ask for help. And there were people who were willing to help. I just didn't know how to, how to accept it. I think that's such great advice. And is mm. there any other advice that you, because you said you speak to some of your friends who get divorced and tell them that you're not going to abandon them like your friends did. Mm. Is there any other advice that, that you give to people who are getting divorced that you meet or know? I'm very honest with them. I'm always like, you're going to get divorced. It's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be real tough, but you have to take care of yourself. You really have to create some time for yourself. You have to, it's like getting to know yourself all over again. It's like going on a date with yourself for the first time and getting to know yourself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it really is like that. And I feel like that every time I broke up with somebody, it was like, I have to go and really figure out who this person is. It's like, and I think you have to create time for that. I always say to my friends, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. You're going to have nights where you're going to cry. You can call me. I think it's always good to actually identify a friend 
who's just going to be on the other side of the phone because I think sometimes when you just talk about it, you always feel better anyway. You feel a little bit better when you talk about it. And I've been on the other side of the phone with a few friends and listen, nothing beats a good divorce party. <laughs> it's the best. I love divorce parties. It's coming from the heart. Like I'm fucking out of this shit. I remember a friend who, uh, <laughs> uh, she organized her divorce party and the cake said, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a new thing to me, divorce parties. I said to my friends, I still haven't had mine because when I got divorced, it was like, no one's even liked to And I was so young. I didn't really think like that. But I'm like, why do we celebrate weddings? Why do we celebrate those things and engagements? But when someone leaves a shitty, especially those who leave really shitty relationships, it's like, you're free. I think people should celebrate when they get divorced because only two you know, consenting adults. <laughs> I mean, in your situation, you get on really well with your ex. I think that's a, that's a great party to say, hey, we remain friends. We still care about each other. So what does a divorce party look like? Does it have to be a cake with a slogan? Oh, with a slogan. Well, that, that was an example. You know, what the <laughs> fuck was I thinking? Uh, lots of cheap alcohol. Great. It, oh, it gets very trashy. I mean, I don't remember what happened most those nights, but it's fun. It's like a Hindu, just the other version. Do you, do you wear <laughs> things with penises on them? No, we haven't done that yet. No. Vaginas on them, maybe, for your own bit. No. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the next one. Maybe that'll be yours. Okay. I'll invite you. Please do. <laughs> Amazing. I'm encouraging more divorce parties. It'll be a thing after Corona. <laughs> I like, well, I like, because I think for me, divorce party just sounds like someone who's very angry with their ex and, you know, wants to get really drunk and wear leopard print. Like that's the stereotype for me of like a divorce no. party. But I totally get what you mean that like we celebrate weddings. Like if you get a new job, you celebrate like life events we celebrate. So why wouldn't you celebrate a new chapter? Yes. I mean, my, my suggestion is always have the divorce celebration after, you know, like you've taken care of yourself. You're like, you're like coming out of the darkness is the best time to do it. I mean, I've seen like divorce cakes where they've got like the ex's head like hanging out. I wouldn't recommend those. Oh my you know, God. Oh yeah. Oh, go on Google divorce party cakes. It's quite hilarious. I'm yeah. definitely going to spend like an hour doing that now after we speak. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, well, I have some questions. Mm -hmm. So hopefully get your advice on what I'm going through right now. And I'd be interested mm -hmm. to hear what you did. So I have a wedding dress and it's lace. So I can't dye it to repurpose it. And it's in my wardrobe mm -hmm. and I don't know what to do with it. Did you have a special wedding outfit and what have you done with it? Yeah. I donated mine to Somali. She's a hairdresser. She got, you know, every smiley bride I know ready for her wedding. And a few times she said to me, there were girls who couldn't afford, you know, like proper wedding gowns and stuff. So she's, so I donated it to her. That's what I did. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't burn it. <laughs> <laughs> At the divorce party. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do that. So I donated mine actually, but I kept, so I wore like two different outfits. I donated one, I gave one to someone else. But what I did so Somalis have a tradition where the husband gets you a set of gold, like earrings, necklace, ring with bracelets. I mean, it's like, it's a thing that they have to give. And it's like 22 karat gold or some shit like that. So I kept that for my daughter. So my wedding jewelry. Oh, that's nice. I kept it for her. 
Because mm-hmm. also I don't know what to do with my engagement ring and wedding band. Mm. So to me, the wedding mm. band, I'm not that bothered about. But the engagement ring I've sort of kept in a little box somewhere. Oh, my God. I have a funny story about my wedding. So, see, that's when I got angry. I threw it. I threw it away. Like, literally threw it out the balcony. Someone found it and brought it up to my mum's house. So it, I was at my mum's house. I threw it. Someone found it recognized it was one of my one of our neighbors like friends brought it up and then one night i go to my friend's house i flushed it down the toilet <laughs> next morning she goes oh who left these rings in the toilet i'm like oh my fucking god i can't get rid of these rings i was trying to get rid of it but it kept coming back so i ended up giving it to someone else <laughs> i was like you know what i can't get rid of this i tried to flush it throw it out the window <laughs> like a boomerang ring it was literally it kept coming back and i think i tried it like i had like four attempts to get rid of it but it somehow reappeared again it was really weird so did you give it to someone for them to use for their wedding or just as a ring no, she really like she was it's a nice ring. She was I don't really care if it's a wedding. So she separated it and put it into a different pants. <laughs> just Lovely. used it as a ring. I was like, you know what? At least you can make sure I don't have to see it again. <laughs> yeah. It'll be gone away from you. I mean the rule was when we met up for coffee, do not wear it. She knew that, so <laughs> <laughs> I like these gifts with rules attached. And what about your divorce certificate? Oh, no, I have that. But do you have it, like, framed on the wall? Do you have it in a pile no, of... No, 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 no. It's, like, folded up somewhere. In a, you know that where you keep the, like, old paperwork? Yeah. <laughs> like, I know where it is. I wouldn't have to find it right now. It would take me days to find it, but it's somewhere. My mum's been typical admin person all her life. You know, she made copies. She's got one in her house, just in case I lose it. Because <laughs> she needs proof that I'm divorced. I love your mom. I love the sound of her. I really want to meet her one day. Okay. Oh, she's hilarious. She is, she is so funny. So now when I say to you that you are divorced, how does that make you feel? Um, I don't know. I think I, feel, I always feel like it's a label. I mean, the only thing I could think of is like, I have freedom. That's the only way I could think about it. I don't have to worry about someone else's feelings, I guess, with the relationship with myself. So it's like, that's how I feel about it. I used to feel when I was much younger, divorce was like, oh my gosh, it's divorce. Like, it was like that. And I didn't like when people pointed that out to me, but I actually embrace it now. Like I, I'm, and, I, and I educate people. I decided not to be in a relationship. It's important. When something's not working out for you, get out. So I'm happily divorced. That's a, that's a term I like to use. Happily divorced. Happily divorced. I like it. I'm happily divorced. Well, thank you. This has been great. Thank you. Is there anything else that you wanted to say or mention if anyone's listening needs help with divorce or anyone from the Somali community maybe struggling in a relationship? Yeah, I mean, I just want to say to anyone struggling or think they're stuck, there is help. There are helplines you can go to two of my favorite organizations, which I always give the women to, is Safo Black Sisters and Soliho Women's Aid are two amazing organizations. If you're stuck in a horrible relationship or you want to get out, please do. These are organizations that will help you. So there is a way out. And even if you feel like there is no way out, just talk to someone who can plan for your way out someone will help you I think that's great advice thank you and where can people find you online and find out more about you so on Twitter I'm at Leila Hussein 
on Instagram, I'm at Leila Hussein. <laughs> if you Google Leila Hussein, my website comes up. <laughs> well, Leila Hussein, OBE. Thank you very much for joining Thank me. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for doing it. Good. And welcome to the Divorce Club. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.